doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Thank you for having me. So good to have you on. Yes, I'm excited. That was a really cool experience with them. He's and, a great guy. Yeah. He's a great guy, and everything he touches, he's kind of got a Midas touch about yeah. him at, at this point. And uh, super, super guy. So, Karen, why don't you, let's start off with, where people can find you. I know. Where do we begin? Um, <laughs> I mean, this could be like, do you have the whole night? Because this could be like hours. But <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I have. Uh, I, I have no time constraints here. <laughs> um, 
So where can people find me? Well, um, very easy. My website is karentatro.com. So it's very simple to find. I host, um, it's kind of like difficult to do a full synopsis of me because I do so many things, but I host paranormal and spiritual events throughout the New England area. Uh, though that is growing, uh, I seem to be quite busy. So I'm trying to venture out to different states. Like I'm traveling to Gettysburg, um, traveling to Arizona and Connecticut and kind of moving out a little bit. But um, I host several events for the public to come and experience uh, what it's like to be in haunted locations. Usually, you know, 20 a year, I would say. They're usually overnight sleepovers. Um, 20 events a year? Yeah, so far. Oh, wow. Like right now, it's about 20, um, 20 events a year. And they range from small to places like the Conjuring House, even though it's a grand place, but usually it's a small investigation that are like 15 people are there to... I've held, um, which probably, you know, your readers or your viewers may not be aware of a lot of the New England areas, but like the Mount Washington Omni Hotel, um, which is in the Bretton Woods area, like in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. I've held events there that we've had like up to 65 people. So I I host everything from small to big psychic fairs. I, you know, travel doing galleries where I'll go to people's homes and their living room and do uh, readings for a group of people as well as, you know, private readings. And so I, I pretty much use my mediumship in, in all kinds of ways. But and and then also private cases of people that have paranormal activity that reach out to me um, that I'm very busy with as well. That's probably my passion um, of going to people's homes and helping them out you know, personally with what's going on in their, their location. But, you know, let me interrupt you real quick here because with, with that, what you just said, I've got to ask you a question with, with all of the, um, all of the TV shows. Yep. There seems to have been a, uh, a Mm -hmm. push Mm -hmm. for, everything being demonic, everything yeah. being a portal to hell, yep. everything just being this terrible, god-awful, oppressive, scratching mm-hmm. and biting and pushing down mm-hmm. the stairs and all that. In your experience, mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that you're going to say that that kind of stuff is extremely rare. Yeah, you know, um, it's frustrating because, I mean, I'm not going to kid you and say that, you know, as a kid growing up and, and most people, like everybody's drawn to the paranormal. I think it's like a natural thing inside of every one of us because mm-hmm. there's like a common, there's a common un- underlining subject of the, the elephant in the room that we're all going to die. And everybody wants to know, well, where the hell are we going? Like, what, you know, right. are we going to heaven? Are we going to hell? What, what really happens? So there's almost like this innate nature in us to be drawn to the supernatural, to be drawn to the paranormal. And, you know, and I can, I can say that even like as a kid, the fascination of the ghosts and the spirits and, and the fear of, um, 
you know, demons and, and all that stuff is there. And everybody, I think, naturally likes to be scared. It's, it's, there's that thrill oh, in you. Everybody likes it. I mean, you, you can't help it. You're drawn to it. So it's a huge industry. The sad thing about it is, um, and I'm good friends with many of the people that have paranormal shows, and I always feel bad saying this, but the TV world portrays the producers. Uh, they do. And, and I know this personally because I've had opportunities to create a TV show, um, but I refuse to, to be fake. Um, there's, and I'm not saying that they are fake. So, you know, that, that's not what I'm saying, but you refuse to let producers dictate, dictate and control evidence. what's yeah. evidence, what's being shown or what, you know, is um, really being portrayed in a location. Mm-hmm. So, in simple terms, I've been in many of these locations um, that are famously known, as well as private houses, for, I think, the better part of 15 years now. And um, I'm not saying that demons and evil doesn't exist, but 99% of the time, uh, there are bad people in the world that have mm-hmm. done horrific things. Um, there are there are people that have mental illness that do horrific things, and they're not that much different in spirit than they are when they were living. So every dark shadow um, doesn't necessarily mean that that's a demon and that's a bad. That's a you know that's a that's a every dark shadow is oh my God. There's a demon in the room. There's a negative spirit. Yeah. Um, there more than likely is a negative human being that is in that area. And they so get just, just because we pass on uh, beyond the veil to uh, the ethereal, uh, it does not mean that we, we instantaneously gain our angel wings and exactly become this wonderful. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's sad for me because the unfortunate thing is, is the, um, I mean, you have like two types of paranormal people. You have people that are really, I'll say the paranormal enthusiasts that are really interested in the chair moving across the table or you know, moving across the, um, the floor mm-hmm. or the table tipping or the lights going off or some, some physical thing happening. And then you have the paranormal enthusiasts that really want to know the human behind that haunting like, like who really is moving the chair right. and, and what is their story and what, why are they doing that? And what is it that they're trying to say? And so you, you kind of have like these two, these two different um, situations, but unfortunately, but doesn't, doesn't that, doesn't that kind of progress though? Like the initial, uh, the initial fascination with it is yes, I want to see the floor or the chair move across the floor. Yes, yep. I want to see the the spoon slide across the uh, um, the countertop. But then, after a point of seeing that and and quantifying yep. that and saying to yourself, okay, it's real. It it happens, and you know, then I think someone's really it, doing it's, that. <laughs> it, it, it's who's doing this right uh, i would think that that would be a progression of things um from the standpoint of somebody who's just getting interested in it yep 
Exactly. Now, you've authored some books as well, correct? Yep. I just, um, well, I shouldn't say I just started, but um, I've just published my second book in my series of Spirit Adventures, um, which is available, obviously, in any book venue, um, Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon. You can also, you can purchase it through me as well, but it... um, I started this, so it was last year, the same time that I published my first one. And I've had so many people ask me about um, just what I do, about the houses, the cases, um, what it's like to be a medium. You know, I get I get asked a million questions, and I thought, okay, well, one of the things that I enjoy doing is educating the public about spirits, the paranormal world, um, even just living your life personally, um, mm-hmm. living a better life, people who have abilities. I mean, I love hosting events because it helps me teach people to strengthen their abilities in the environment with spirits. Um, so I just started thinking, you know what? I really need to start writing this. I need to write about the cases that I am doing so that I can share it more publicly with everyone. So the Spirit Adventures is is really kind of um, a memoir about my different cases. And I try to put at least five or six of the different spirits that I've interacted with and tell their story. Um, and also in writing the book, I really anything that you want to know about me is in those books from my childhood, what it was like being a medium to my um, really first profound experience that made me say, okay, you need to stop trying to, um, I'm not going to say hide it, but you need to kind of like stop uh, not embracing it. And I have that story, which is about the Shanley hotel. It's in, every one of my books, it will always be the first chapter so that people who've never read the first one, they'll, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. That's a great idea. (laughs) I thought it was at first I thought, you know, well, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? Cause you're always going to have people that aren't necessarily didn't even know that I had a first book. So they're going to see the second book, but you really have to almost like know that part of me in order to grasp all the stories so I thought, well, I'll make the first chapter will always be about the Shanley Hotel. Um, and I just literally, right now, it's just hit the the um, publishing market uh, this week, actually, for my second book. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. And you, you can actually go into a Barnes & Noble, like, in person and use your feet and walk in through the door. You don't have to order it on Amazon. <laughs> well, not quite yet. That's the that's the thing about how hard it is. Like, a lot, including myself, I thought, well, you just write a book, and it just goes all over the place, and you instantly become famous. This is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, not. Uh, basically, it's in the publishing world, it's available online. Um, my goal this year is, and, and really COVID had a lot to do with this, in order to get it on the shelf in in like Barnes & Noble and a lot of like the small little community bookstores, you have to physically go in there and you have to do a book signing and you have to market for them to be mm-hmm. able to put it on the, 
the shelves. And last year I couldn't gotcha. do that because of COVID. This year I'm hoping that I can do that, but um, right now it's available online. I've, uh, although I do have some like local places here in New Hampshire that are stocking it on their shelves, but oh, nice. Um, but yeah, well, not not where you are. Not yet. <laughs> not, not yet. yet. <laughs> but I'll send you some, and you can go in, go into some of your local stores. But but yeah, COVID made a big difference in a lot of things for many people. You know what? I'm going to ask you one more question, and this is. <laughs> this is this is bonkers so <laughs> get ready um and then and then i i think we should get into uh how how Cortland and his group um, yeah. contacted you and and what your experience with them was and then i asked you some specific things to uh kind of bring to tonight's show and uh, we'll just get into that and like i said in our in our messages before once the the conversation's going whichever way it goes i mean there's no real framework to to the way we do my show so it will be what um, it will be exactly um as far as COVID is concerned and with your communications with the spirit world have you come across any spirit that i guess this is a two-part question anyone that's passed due to COVID? Mm. That's an or, interesting question. Yeah. Or have you con- had any contact with any spirits that recognize that COVID is happening? You know, I I haven't. So with both of those, no. Um, but I've never asked, and that's a really good question because I've had I've had connections with spirits just more recently more not so much in like paranormal locations but like in private readings and Mm -hmm. in galleries um i have had people that have passed fairly recent and i've i've never really asked that um it's kind of interesting because most most spirits as far as like personal like communication with like past loved ones Mm -hmm. usually um, they're, they're in a different mindset. Like that wouldn't be something that they would necessarily ever really say unless there was some sort of complication or there was a problem. Okay. Then they might bring that up, but they're more so, um, like their conversation that they want to have with their loved one usually is something more different than, than their death, unless there was, um, you know, some reason that they wanted them to know about their death. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious because, you know, like what you said, um, more times than not, your communication with them is trying to get something relayed to their loved ones that are still with us. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever have a conversation with spirit that is more in lines with, just a conversation mm-hmm. not necessarily needing to get an uh, an important message to a loved one but just a conversation with spirit that is like hey so what are you doing here yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah and, um, and how, how does how does that how does that play out 
like I think um, like spirits having a conversation about where they are, what they're doing, what it's like on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. I've had conversations of asking if they um, can see where it is to they're going, like you know the old tunnel with the light and um, you know you know typically in both connections with spirits, whether in a haunted location or a um, past loved one, there's always some insight to um, what they're wanting to express about living. Like many times I'll have a conversation with them about, um, it sounds kind of weird, but like simple things like, you know, can you see me in color? Like, do you see color? Do we look the same? Um, I've had conversations about where they're traveling, what they're doing on the other side. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it is interesting. And I always feel like that's where a lot of things that I learned personally about, you know, gee, how we should be doing things <laughs> <laughs> come from there. You know, they have, they have a better insight um, because they're now, they're not physically living anymore. And most of them have some insight to, yeah, you know, don't don't worry about all the little things and don't worry about the, you know, let things go and, and be healthy and live your life. And um, Well, that's you know, because they don't have to get up and go to work every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, money doesn't matter over there anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, true. I guess, I, I guess that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting um, perspective on something that I don't normally think about when I think about a haunting or a, yeah. a, a spirit in the house. It's, you know, I mean, can you, I'm sure it, I was going to say, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but is it, or, or do you find some very, um, common reoccurring commentary from spirit as far as where they're at and what's, what's taking place where they are currently at? Well, kind of a, a neat or an interesting thing is people. So for instance, when I'm doing like personal readings and galleries, um, people's past loved ones, uh, generally speaking, have, um, like they're not always wanting to come in with some mission, like, oh my gosh, I've got to, I've got to tell them one more thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's usually, first of all, wanting to come in to, um, you know, be there and to say hello and to let them know that they're okay and that they're there. Um, a lot of times their focus is more about um, reminiscing about, you know, the old days or when they were living, maybe some of their regrets some of the things they would have done differently. They're usually wanting to give advice to whoever it is they're trying to reach out to. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's always some sort of, um, I want to say like a pep talk a little bit. I mean, it can either be a pep talk. And then there've been many times, like at some of my galleries, I I have a girl that travels with me and I'm like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm lecturing people because there's also that feeling of, you know, get your shit together. And, And, and I end up like physically saying that to people 
And then I feel bad because I'm like, I'm so sorry, but this is what they're saying that I'm supposed to say to you. <laughs> and they're like, no, I needed to hear that. And it's like, you know, like, what the hell? You know, you know, knock the shit off, you know, like, yeah. but, um, have you ever had spirit <laughs> that, that had a grudge against somebody like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Want, wanting to say, Hey, you know what? You really pissed me off. Oh yeah. You never, get, you never brought my hammer back. Yeah. You know, I mean, is it some, is there some yes. things that are as, as trivial as that? that yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is. It is. It's kind of funny, but that's true. And so like, there's that, that part of like people communicating with past loved ones, they have like a different, um, mission as opposed to people that are in haunted locations. They are, um, and I hate using the word they're stuck there, mm-hmm. but they're almost like encapsulated in this bubble of where they're, they're, um, still living in the mindset of when they were living physically. So their belief so, systems, their, their life of what, cause that's generally, I mean, generally you're not really supposed to be haunting locations. You know, that's not your thing to, to pass away and decide to reside in the house that you died in or the house that you, that you built. Um, most in your, your own spiritual evolution, you really, that's not the ideal situation. Um, you're going to, you want to evolve when you pass just as much as you evolve from the time that you're born into your old age. It's, it's kind of the same. So in haunted locations, a lot of those spirits, it's really funny because they're kind of going down memory lane. You know, they're like, for instance, the, the ladies in the bordello at the Shanley hotel, very much so you can really interact with them if you're playing out that time period. Um, some of them are mourning and they're, you know, they're, they're trying to get almost like let go or forgive the life that they lived, or they have some um, emotional reason of why they're there. And until they can let go of that, they, they purposely, it's almost like their own prison, if that makes sense. So that's imposed on on themselves. Yes. That they're not there because this is whoever you believe in the creator is uh, has banished them to this area for X number of whatever amount of time right. to to do what they do and then then they can move on. It's it's something that's more self-imposed on them. Yeah. It's and honestly, it's really scary because I never knew until I really started um, going into locations, both both places, my private cases that I go into, um, as well as like obviously the public ones, but how powerful your belief systems are. That is what holds you back. You're when you think about this, you have an argument. This is like a like a natural thing that most most of us can relate to. You have an argument with somebody. It could be a loved one. It could be a friend. Somebody disses you, um, you know, messes up with you, screws you over. You know how long it takes you to process that. I mean, you're pissed off about it. You're going to go through it in your brain every day, all day long. God damn it. I should have said this. I should have did that. Um, And you go through that. And all that energy is there. And it's hard to let go of it. Mm -hmm. 
well, if you die and you have something strong like that, that that is what holds people back. It's their it's their that stuff that's going on in their brain, whether it's guilt or sorrow or feeling um, a lack of love or feeling unjust, but it's their belief system of not being able to let go of that, that life or that situation. That's often what holds them in a location. It's scary. It's sad because it's and some of it to me is like, Oh my gosh, wow. That's, um, I mean, I can't say, I want to say it's like trivial, but in some ways it's like, man, you would just think that when you pass, your slate is just clean and you kind of, like all that would just go away. But it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily. Do you find, and I know this is going to sound, we hear this all the time in these these shows. Uh, Do you find that, a lot of times they don't realize that they've passed or is that kind of horseshit? No, I've had, um, some that that's true. Um, actually the, um, when I talked to you about the, the boy and the angel, mm-hmm. um, that's an, an example of, of a child that didn't realize had a head trauma and didn't, didn't understand that he was passed. Um, I've had a recent case, um, I mean, heart wrenching, but a recent case of a woman who had me come to her house, let me get this, her, her realtor, they're putting their house on the market. It's a family home. And the realtor came to the house and the realtor actually had some sensitivity and said, oh my gosh, there, there's a lot of energy here. And she's like, oh, Okay reached out to me, wanted me to come to the home. And her father was there and he had suffered, um, like there's people who have Alzheimer's, but there's a condition, Mm -hmm. I think it's called sundown syndrome. Sundowners. Yeah. Yeah. And he suffered that for, I think she said like 10 years um, in his life. When he passed, I mean, when I got to that home, um, he was such a strong presence there because he was still uh, stuck in that memory. And that it was sad because I had to really work with him to get him to realize that he had passed, that he had died. He could He could talk to me about everything up until the day he died. He, he couldn't, it was like he didn't understand. Um, Mr. Borden in the the famous Lizzie Borden house. Yes. Um, I investigated there years ago and Mr. Borden was the same way. You could talk to him about the town. You could get him to interact with like the flashlights and you could ask him all kinds of things about that time period. And if you addressed him in that time period, like if you addressed him as sir, you know, it's like a pleasure to meet you, sir. Your house is, mm-hmm. your house is beautiful. He would communicate with you up until the point he he couldn't talk about modern time. He couldn't talk about his death. It was like there was, it would almost be like end of conversation. Hmm. So I think that there, there are some situations where people 
um, kind of almost like I described it is like when you're having a dream and you're so deep in a dream that when you wake up, you're still in a little bit of a fog of like, mm-hmm. holy yeah. shit, was I, was that a dream? Am I still dreaming or am I awake? I think that that happens with some people when their death is very traumatic or their death is very painful or, or something occurs that kind of keeps them in that fog. But that's true. So there are, there are many spirits that choose to stay behind because they're afraid to move on or where they're going or to let go. And then I think there are also some that don't realize that they've actually passed. Because I had some personal experiences after my, my dad was killed and those experiences, um, all of which took place in the, in the home where I lived with him. Yeah. And they went from being, um, kind of smart ass, mm-hmm. um, playful, but smart ass. Uh, type things which was very much his personality and it went on for about maybe it's hard to remember but i'm gonna say like eight months and then when it was done it was done and that was Hmm. back when i was 21 years old almost 22 and i've never had another another thing since then but during that time right after the point that he was killed to about like i said roughly eight months um there were a number of things and and all of them pointed to him one of to which him. Yeah, yeah one of which was two of which were were extremely um overt signs that it was him right but then it was then it was done and I've never, never had anything again is, you know, so I assume at some point he either was trying to make sure that, that I was taken care of. Right. And you knew it was there. And then at some point he realized that I was going to be fine and moved on. Yeah. Well, you know, I've had people that um, have talked about that they can feel, um, you know, very similar. They can feel their their loved one around them. And then they've even asked, like, oh, my God, did they go away? Like, where did they go? Because I don't feel them as much. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do believe that there is, um, it's, I, don't even, I don't even really know the best word to use it. Because I don't want to say, like, development on the other side. But I do think that there's. <clears throat> different layers of letting go of who we were when we were living. <clears throat> I'm going to start coughing. You know, letting, shedding that life and kind of spiritually moving on. And I think people notice that. And I've had spirits kind of tell me that before too, of where they've been um, growing on the other side. And that's probably what was happening. Growing. Um, just that kind of like growing in their own personal development. 
um, letting go of, I'm not going to say the persona of who they were, but we're far deeper than just that one life that we've lived. You know, if you kind of look at it that way, it's almost, I mean, I'm not going to say like every life that you've lived is being shed, but there definitely seems to be some sort of evolution that's happening on the other side. So there's a a period of growth on the other side, an ability to continue to, or, or is your using the word growth? Is that their, um, their evolution into becoming what is after once we leave? Yeah. You know, it's, it's so hard to describe because first of all, we'll never fully know until we're at that place. But, um, the way that I kind of think of it is, You have the sun, and the sun is, I'll say, all of existence. It's like all of us. It's like we're part of this big, huge, beautiful sun. And you have all of the little rays that come down, <clears throat> and that's all of us. You know, we're, we're a ray. I'm a little ray that comes down. And I feel like when... Um, so an example, you know, I'm, I'm Karen and obviously this is the life that I lived and my family and everything that I do. But when, when I pass, I'm still Karen, but I feel like in spirit, I'm migrating back to that sun and I'm going higher and higher and I'm letting go of the physical human things, the the trivial stuff, the the things that defined us when we were alive. <clears throat> exactly. The humanness, the things that made us human, the ego, all that stuff. I'm letting go of that. And whether it's, you know, an easy, quick process, because I do think that for some people it's fairly quick. And I think some people, um, and I don't know, maybe like in religious terms, it would be that, that place of purgatory. I'm not a religious person, but I, I think it could, you know, maybe people would describe it that way and mm-hmm. say, oh, well, that's purgatory. Um, but I've had spirits that like, for instance, um, there was this, and I'm just thinking about it now, but I had a woman who, um, reached out to me for a reading. This is years ago. And I'm like, okay, you know, we set up for the time and she didn't show up for the reading. And then she messaged me a few days later and she told me, I'm so sorry, but You know, I just couldn't, I couldn't have it. I'm like, that's okay. So we set it up again and I sat down and I immediately knew that she had lost her son Mm -hmm. because this, this, um, young man came into my room and he was, um, very young and he had blonde hair and he was wearing a red baseball cap and, you know, I really couldn't tell his age, but he was young. He wasn't, he wasn't above 20. And, you know, we proceeded to do the reading and we did it online. It was like a Facebook messenger. And he went on to, you know, describe himself. And he said specific things that she knew right away that that was, that was her son. And he had lived his entire life 
um, surviving cancer. He had one bout of cancer after another. His whole childhood was being ill in and out of hospitals. It was actually, it was very sad. And he passed when he was, I think, around 14, 15. And he was telling his mom, you know, so we had this conversation. He was, you know, telling her things. And he, I remember him telling me things to tell, you know, tell dad and um, his siblings and specific things that she knew that it was him. And then he said to me, and I remember it's, I remember this reading so clearly because it, it was, um, for me, it was like mind blowing, like, wow. Okay. He talked about how he was healing on the other side and he was learning on the other side to be of assistance to other people. And he was starting to understand why he was so ill as a child was preparing him to almost be like a guardian to other children and to other people who lived that physical life that he did. And he talked about, um, you know, the development of the soul and he talked about different things that, that, you know, that we needed to experience in order to, um, you know, gain, gain insight and to be able to help. And I'm, I'm just kind of listening and I'm telling her and I'm thinking, she's thinking, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, she's thinking, what the hell? Like, really? Um, but she's taking it in. I'm like, I'm just telling you what he's saying. And he's, he's like, okay. And he's, he's doing fine. And he's, he's kind of like guiding other children. And he, he told me that he was, um, being of assistance to other children that had illnesses. So we finished our reading and it was, it was, um, you know, it was an hour long, um, and she had comfort and I would say maybe a couple weeks went by and she reached out to me and she told me that she had to drive by the hospital that he passed and they lived like most of his childhood in this hospital and she never felt inclined to go into the hospital until this particular day. And she drove into the hospital and she felt like she needed to just kind of like let go and like almost like make peace with mm-hmm. um, the loss of her son. And she went up to the ward and there were two nurses that recognized her and they pulled her aside and they, they said to her, they're like, her name is Judy. And she's like, you know, Judy, we, we couldn't reach out to you because it's against our code, but we have to tell you this. Many of the children in that ward described being visited by a young boy with a red baseball cap and they come to come to them in their dreams and and he tells them that everything's going to be okay. It still makes me like I have good. I'm still like, it gave me, me doesn't it? Um, and she said, she just looked at them and they're like, like really? Cause they knew her son, he had been there a lot. Um, and she went home and she felt like an amazing amount of peace from that. 
And then she had had a couple readings after that. And each time he would come in, it was it was kind of like when he first came in, he was still her son and he was the boy. But after that, when he would come in, he was all color. He was like this beautiful, vibrant yellow color. And he wouldn't come in as much of a physical body, but I would hear his voice and I would see this beautiful color. And he would talk to her like way more advanced than um, than her son. He was still her son, but he would talk about far deeper things. And that was profound to me. I remember feeling like, wow, okay. So I think that there are some people that are living that when they pass they become almost like spirit guides to other people like they they become more evolved hmm. is that crazy yeah that is <laughs> is so you think that um not everyone that passes is is destined to be um, of of help on the other side. Um, probably not, because I kind of look at it and think it's the same as um, living people. I mean, I'm sure you've come across people who, you know, you meet somebody and they're just they're incredible. There's like the, there's a light about them. Right, yeah, they're yeah. you know they're really just you know that they're like an old soul walking around. Um, you might even make the expression and say, "Oh my God, that's an angel in disguise." Or, mm-hmm. um, and then you have people that are that are, um, you know, they're this is their first time around, or however you want to call it, and they they're not compassionate, and they're you know, some people are just plain old assholes. <laughs> it's yeah. like you know, you're thinking, man, don't you know what what it's like to be human and have compassion and you know, heartache. Um, I think on the other side, it's got to be probably around the same. You know, there are probably some people that are very evolved and um, that may be something that's a, a destiny for them. And then there may be other people that that's, you know, it isn't. Have you ever run into somebody that is living that you pick up on that their soul is somebody that's been around once or twice. Yeah. Meaning just that they've, you can tell that they've lived. Yeah. Yeah. My son's one of them. Yeah. Really? Yeah. From the time he was, um, a toddler, he, I mean, obviously he was, he was kind of like that difficult child that, um, you know, stubborn, independent, but he always had this ability from, from the time he was just walking, like everything he did, it's like he did it before, you know, he, he could pick up any, you know, we talk about being athletic. He could pick up a golf club and like he's played golf before he'd pick up a tennis racket. Like he's played tennis before. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but he used to talk when he was little um, about like when he was a big man and he would, I mean, he would like could barely like at two years old really could, did not have the, the, the grammar and the language to communicate about when he was a big man. And it used to, it used to freak my husband out quite a bit. Um, and even, even now he's 20 years old and he's, um, identified, um, you know, a spirit guy that he has, that he believed that he lived a life with and, um, actually feels that he knows a past life that he had. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's, it's been interesting with him. And I've met other people that just, it's like, you can see it in their eyes that they've been around. Yeah. So reincarnation is, is, uh, you know, we've heard about it forever and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people, it's not part of the Catholic or Christian beliefs, but it is part of the beliefs of other religions throughout the world. And, you know, it, it makes me wonder, it makes me think, you know, is, is there a, is there a finite number of souls that are available? (laughs) You know, this is, this is where my head goes. Is there a finite number of souls that are available and, and they, they get recycled and I don't know. It's no, I hear you. It's mind boggling. Um, it is. Um, or I wonder if it's maybe just a certain, a select, um, for whatever reason, just select souls that continue to go through an evolution. Well, the thing about, this is when I like really wish that I paid attention in school. <laughs> you know, I really wish that I studied science and astrology and all the different things and, and physics and all this because I don't have the intellect to really explain what I feel and, and partially what I, I know like innately without knowing. Um, so most of us kind of think of reincarnation as a, as a linear thing. I mean, we, we think of our life. I mean, we live in a linear life. We live by the time, um, you know, you're a child and you go through life every, every year and then, and then you pass. Um, but in all truth, so like many people think, okay, well, I'm going to be reincarnated and I'm going to just come back in a fresh new baby because that's the concept of being linear. Like right. you're going to pass and then you're going to be born in a brand new baby, a new vessel, new vessel. But when you get into the, the laws of, and, and some of the things that we've learned exist, like time is a coexisting thing. Um, so when you think of it that way, like all time coexists, you know, that, that past, present, future is all simultaneously happening at the same time. 
and it's hard to put your brain around it. But if you envision that like a record, this is how I try to describe it. So you have a record that's playing like the old fashioned style and you have the needle. So your whole life is on this record. Um, all, all of your existence, what your soul has, um, I'll say destined for this lifetime. It's all there. And your perception of now is where you place the needle. So when you bring your needle down, it's, it's this life right now. That's where you are. And so when you kind of think of it that way, it, it's like all of your life's really are happening at the same time. And then when you take it a little bit farther and thinking of, okay, well, how could that be? Um, but it, it may be that your, your soul, like I said, the sun and the rays all coming down. So think of your, your soul potentially maybe being branched off into different lives all at the same time. So, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like so hard to explain. That that is that's that's a tough one to wrap your wrap your it head is. around. It is because you think of like okay, so well, are you are you saying that are you saying that your soul could possibly be experiencing? Let's just give it a number: five different yeah. lives at the same time. Exactly, exactly. But you're really aware of right now yeah, like you're aware of right now but you know do you have the ability to maybe um, tap into another existence of yourself you know potentially yes you you could um, is that what your dream state it's kind of difficult because I think about these things too um, it's like you never can have any full concrete answer um, because we'll, we'll probably like never know, but you know, they talk about like the different levels of, um, just the, you know, dimensions, mm-hmm. you know, multidimensional beings, multidimensional lives. Um, and from, it, from the way they to, describe it, those, those alternate dimensions, those additional, um, planes of existence are mm-hmm. very 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 close to us almost yeah. almost like they're stacked uh sheets of paper stacked on top of each other they are literally right up against our reality but there is a veil that we can't see into that other that other dimension right yeah it's it's hard to because when you hear stories of, um, you know, children that recall their past life to the T of their name, mm-hmm. who they were, what happened, um, it's mind blowing. I mean, like, I mean, my son's probably going to kill me for talking about this, but um, he probably six years ago. So he's he's twenty now. So I mean, he. It was when he was, he was either in eighth grade or ninth grade and he had, you know, a couple friends over and we use dowsing rods a lot. So like I use dowsing rods when I go on in, 
investigations because it really helps me gather concrete. I can ask really specific questions um, and kind of fine tune when I have to do research. Cause when I go to private locations, it's about solving what's going on there. So I have to kind of really find enough information that I can then research and, and go from there. Mm-hmm. So I use dowsing rods a lot and in my son you know, pulled out his dowsing rods and he was showing his friends, a couple of his really close friends, and they were they were talking. And my son's always known that he's had, he's always felt that he's had this spirit guide around him that is a young, um, kind of like a young cowboy. He used to always call him like the cowboy man. And he, he felt like that night, well, I'm going to figure out who this man is. And he used the rods and he started just communicating with him and he got his name and he ended up that evening, he came downstairs and he's like, mom, he's like, I, I know he, he was able to recall in his communication with, with this guide, but also in his own personal memory he talked about a life that he lived and this guide lived this life with him down to the point. I'm telling you that he literally got the name of, of who he was. And I mean, I won't say it because we can't necessarily prove it, but it's a trip that we're going to be making this year. Oh wow! Um, because he said to me, mom, he told me that this is the man that I was and he had killed him. They were friends and they were fighting on two opposite um, wars. And he, um, this guide is kind of like here in his life and will always be in his life. And he's, he's following with him and protecting him. But he told him who he was. So my son Garrett literally comes downstairs with a name. And he's like, this is this is who he says I was. And this is all the things he was telling me. And shit you not, we looked it up and this person existed um, down to everything that Garrett had said about him. And he has a statue. So it's like, that's one of our trips. And um, actually, at the end of January, we're going to go and, and, and go and check it out. But, you know, you hear that of children that can recall having absolutely no information at all. And they can recall a past life down to a name where they lived, you know, what happened to them, how they died. So it's like, you can't, you can't deny that there's some existence that your soul has re-experienced or is experiencing on multiple levels. Um, It's fascinating. That is that is beyond what I expected uh, this conversation <laughs> to. I know. to uh, I know we're not even into ghosts and spirits, but yeah. no, wow. but it's, yeah, it, it is, it is kind of mind blowing and that's, it's hard, it's hard to, to concept everything after we pass because it's, you know, and I don't doubt anything that you're saying, but I can't imagine <laughs> going on a trip and being faced with yeah some kind of confirmation 
that what he's saying is yeah is factual that that would have to be a um I don't even know. I don't even know as a, you know, as a parent, you always try to protect your kids and you always try to yeah. have answers and, you know, you always try to be that voice of reason for them. And I can't even imagine <laughs> where, even with your abilities, um, yeah. how, how you would navigate that, that terrain. Because that, yeah. that seems like that could go, uh, easily go one of two ways either either a phenomenal um or or could just yeah. just be or you're totally full of shit <laughs> or or it could be a, it could be a devastating realization as yeah well. yeah no it's true wow yeah it was it was a very um it's kind of it. It's one of those things you almost would have to know my son because he's a pretty, um, you know, he's pretty reserved. He's he definitely has my abilities. Um, and my first book, my children's book, is written based on my son. Um, I wrote that when he was eight because he. I would go off and be you know investigating, and I would be going off to a home. And I would come home and the spirits would follow me and I would be sleeping totally fine at night. And then he would be waking me up. Mom, there's two men in my room and this is what they're talking about. So at the, at that time he was having a very difficult time um, sleeping at night and being afraid of his room. Um, and Do I remember think? growing up that way as a child, that was my life story. I was, I mean, I laugh about it now because um, I can look back and, and remember it. But back then, my childhood was, um, it was very scary for me to, to do that. So here I've got my son now who's experiencing the same thing. And I thought, okay, well, this is what we have as do. adults. When I wrote, when you start, I basically wrote, you know, knowing right um, and wrong, and you start I mean, being self conscious. Like it's, it's, you know, how you clear present yourself about how you children and living. So for children, yeah, feel empowered exactly in their room. So children are and very, wrote about very creative, and I think protection. I mean, I can't say that all children are because I don't know. Basically, towards ghosts and spirits, but and how to learn how to put protection around you. And um, some of them will keep how that, to call on your guides and, and others will outgrow in different it. things. And then also it was meant to be, See, you know, the, the little rational bit of an educational thing for parents or grandparents yeah. to help I your wonder, child you know, I mean, I'm, understand I'm that I know their of, room at um, night and kids that are sensitive, sensitive uh, help think, them understand rather than say, mm-hmm, um, there's no such thing as ghosts. And I think there's, you know, go back to bed. There's nothing in your room, but there's nothing going on. My parents were never the ones to, you know that that for a sensitive kid, that's like the that's, worst thing that you could Don't you can do to them. Yeah. It's not real. Um, it's a, you're and as adults, you're you know, even as an adult, they didn't foster exactly it either. Whether right. you understand you what know, they're they experiencing they or not, it, they're experiencing they something. Once, so it's you know, better like, to you know, my, help them 
understand right. it, empower them, then to you know poo poo it. Monster. Do you find that? that do you find that children me, for the most part caused me so or, many sleepless uh, nights by and large and, more. and being scared shitless <laughs> at whatever yeah. whatever monster flavor of the day? Um, to some extent, I, I yeah. I mean, mo- most most kids interest in was you know right you outside know, my bedroom being, window, and as soon as I went to bed, it was generally maybe, speaking, a child oh my God, is I, that more makes me imaginative because I literally used to creative because I used to watch that and they don't have the pressures of because my my bed was right next to the window and i used to think that bigfoot was outside my window yeah, and i would talk out loud yep. like okay well if i talk out loud about how much i like him he's not going to come in and eat me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i literally um yeah. you know i mean the the hallway light outside of my bedroom um had to be left on at night yeah. and and my bedroom door could not be closed all the way it had to be yeah. open you know like four or five inches so i could see the light coming through the the door and uh you know i would fill my days with as much of uh as much of the spooky stuff as i could you know find yeah and boy once the sun start going down then i'd start dreading having to go to bed because i knew uh is no matter how no matter how big of a guy i was gonna be and get done brushing my teeth and go to the bathroom and come out and give hugs and and go off to my bedroom you know (laughs) the old butt starts puckering up and yeah uh, you know and i'm sitting there pretty much shaking in my bed (laughs) you know thinking of every excuse mom can i have a glass of water exactly yeah mom i can't sleep You know, and um, but God love them. They didn't. Uh, they didn't ever kind of try to quell that uh, right that that passion or that thirst for uh, knowledge on this stuff. And for that, I got to thank. Well, them. that's good. So, Karen, tell me how how you got involved with uh, Cortland and that team that went to the the Conjuring House. Um, it was, I still, even like to this day, am like, how the hell did those guys contact me? Um, I literally got an email. So this would have been probably maybe two months ago. And Michael, um, he had emailed me, um, just kind of like a straight out, Hey, Nice to meet you. Um, traveling in the states, he had explained that they were going to be filming, um, you know, a big motion picture next year, and he felt like he had the rest of this year and the next few months to just be creative and come to the United States and and film a whole bunch of things for um, the their YouTube Raka Raka, mm-hmm. yeah, which I had no no clue who that is or, or what it was even about. And he just, you know, kind of put it out there. We really would love to do something unique and different for around the Halloween time period. And he had this notion of bringing these haunted objects to the conjuring house or haunted dolls, like the most famous haunted dolls in the world to the um, most famous house in in the world 
according to you know the United States and what he had looked up. And he felt like, okay, well, you know, let's take this even a step farther. And wouldn't it be really cool to film a medium in the house? And I don't remember exactly how he came. He never really said fully, but he started looking up, um, you know, paranormal events. And I don't know if it's because I've hosted so many of them, but my name came across his, um, you know, came to him. Mm -hmm. Somehow he came across my name. And I do host many events at the the Conjuring House. I actually last year I was there almost every month, at least one weekend a month. I and assume, I assume you live near there. <laughs> yeah, I'm about two hours from there. It's in Rhode Island, and I live in New Hampshire, so it's a very easy easy drive. And I've been um, pretty much investigating there for the two years that the current owners um, own it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm there often and he reached out to me and said, would you, <laughs> would you be interested in this? And I'll be honest with you. I was like, you want me to do what? Like, like seriously, um, you want to bring these haunted dolls into a, you know, very haunted location. I don't know. I've never done that before. I've never, I've never read haunted objects. Um, so we started talking. I'm like, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. And he did explain, because I'll be truthful with you, when I looked up who they were, I thought, I'm not going to go run through this house and do a whole bunch of fake shit. I'm not going to, you know, mm, yeah. run through with my head tilted sideways <clears throat> like the movie portrays um, Bathsheba. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm authentic. And, and he, was, he was a sweetheart because I was like, really, what, what are you filming? I need to know because I... You guys are going to get on your airplane. You're going to fly back to Australia. And you got to live I'm, with this. <laughs> I have to live with this. And I, I do pride myself on being, on being real. Um, and he just explained that he really, most of his, their clientele and the people that watch their YouTube are into the paranormal as well. So he wanted to do something a little more um, authentic and different. And of course he's going to, they're going to add their, you know, the stuff that they do as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm not They're completely naive to it. To it. Right. Yeah. Cause they have their, their clientele to, to please. So that, how, ha- that's how it became. They, um, they flew out and they planned on getting, I think originally they planned on getting five, um, dolls. Um, I think they had brought three, because some of them were just unreachable to get to get lined up, mm-hmm. and and then we reached out to um, Cody and Satori because they have the haunted. They're the paranormal couple, and they have a haunted museum that's traveling, mm-hmm. and they brought some items as well. That's Jason Haas's daughter. Yep, yep. So that's, and then we just kind of lined it all up, and. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely something I had never did before. Did it kind of push your limitations as far as uh, what what you've done in the past? It, well, it was um, in many ways, yes. I mean it it was it was one of those things of I had no problem with the the filming, and obviously I was comfortable with the house because I I've been there so many times. Um. But I had never been 
exposed to um, that level of haunted objects. Mm-hmm. And even just with the house itself, there's a lot of mystery to the house. Um, and there are things in the house that I, that I still can't 100% identify. So there was a part of me that was a little bit of what the hell am I getting myself into? And is this even safe for me to be yeah, doing? Are you opening <laughs> Pandora's box? Exactly. I mean, I, I, I won't lie and say that I, you know, I had two things going through my mind. One was, um, I don't even know if I can read haunted dolls. You know, I may look at them and, and, and absolutely nothing, nothing be there. Um, and the second thing was, okay, just that, like, what, what am I exposing myself to? You know, if, if these are evil dolls and evil things, um, then am, am I, am I a danger here? During the course of that investigation, were all those supposedly haunted objects, were they all haunted? The ones that I had access to or that they showed me, yes. They were. Yeah, they were. Um, and what was interesting is, so uh, like obviously you saw the footage. Yes. Um, they, I knew nothing of them. I had, I had no idea what, what the dolls were. They didn't give me a preview. Um, basically they sat me down in the living room and they brought out one at a time and they would just allow me to, um, which I think their video should be coming out pretty soon so people can actually watch it. But they brought, they brought the doll out to me. Um, and it, it was interesting. I mean, I, I, I looked at the dolls and you know listened and um i'm trying to remember how many they were there were but all of them had a spirit that was presenting itself with the item so for instance um i'm trying to remember which one it was There was one of them that, um, as soon as they brought it out, I began to see a woman. And she was, and I remember this, she was very, um, um, disembodied, like she had been murdered, like something had happened to her and her, she was laying like in a, in a ditch, her face was in the dirt um, she was very disheveled looking and her, um, her body parts were like she had been dismembered mm. and it was, and I was sad. I felt really sad for her because I felt like this was somebody who potentially had been murdered and nobody knows it. Like no one's, no one solved it. And she was <clears throat> looking up. Like that, I think that was the one with the Christmas trees. The one that was a, the topper for the Christmas. I tree? think so. I think it was because I remember um, kind of like looking up and the woods that she was in were the evergreens. And I don't know if her, like, again, this is another one of those things of where I'll never know it until we actually 
you know, if we were to solve it. But an example with a spirit like that, where she may not necessarily have been trying to start fires everywhere, but maybe to show where it was that she passed and where she was murdered, you know, that's how like a lot of these cases become um, solved because the spirits try and tell you something about what happened to them. Hmm. And you have to dig, you have to kind of really dig deep, but that's, that was the spirit that was with this particular um, doll. And then Corey, um, um, Cody and Satori, I think, I think it was one of their, their dolls. And then they went on to explain that that's, the visions of what was happening wherever this doll was that people were seeing um, a disembodied woman. And so I got the validation. You you, you were right on track. Yeah. Yeah. What was, that was, what was the story on the one that was in the, uh, the box with the, the crucifix, crucifix nailed to the lid from inside. Okay. That was the last one. And I do remember um, all the other objects, um, because some of the objects were masks and different things and dolls. I was able to to look at them and to have uh, some sort of a, a connection or reading. That particular one, I just, and I don't know how to explain it, but I, I got this feeling of, and I'm not going to read that one. I'm not, I, I, I kind of had the feeling I'm not going to touch that one. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Why did it mean it was something evil? I have no clue. When they opened it, um, that was, that was the one that I did see a woman. Um, she was, um, she was colored. She was a fairly large woman. She had this, um, band around her head, almost like this really colorful scarf, Mm-hmm. She kind of popped in, but I just got this feeling of like, nope, don't go there. Like whether I think it really felt like my own personal guides were shutting me off. That's really interesting. And I'm going to say to not some, tune into it. I'm going to say something and I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Of where that doll originated from. No. New Orleans. Oh, yes, that I did know. I'm sorry. I did know it was from New Orleans um, because, because they had what, said that that was the one that they had picked up, but there was there was no story behind it. Yeah, it was it was left in a shop and it had to it had to have been sold with the shop. The guy would not, yeah. not allow him to buy the shop without it. So your your description of the dress is very much. Yeah, she was a woman and she was standing. I remember it pretty clearly because I they opened it up and then she just kind of like appeared um, off to the side and she was a very big um, colored woman and she had like this um, very decorative like scarf thing wrapped around her head. Um, and then and then that was it because all the other spirits and normally like when a spirit presents itself to me. Um, I hear them talking like I'll hear I'll hear them talking to me and kind of like telling me what what's happened or what I'll, I'll get the feelings from them. Um, and with that one, I just was immediately like 
shut right off. Like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to tune into this. And then of course, then it was like, I'm not saying it's evil. I'm just saying I can't read it. I'm like blocked, like something's blocking me from reading it. And then that's when they had, okay, we better have the, the other guy, the, the priest that was there. He's like, well, let's just be safe and let's just go through um, everything. So he started like throwing holy water on us and going through his thing and um, which was fine. But do you have, but any- yeah, I could never, I could never read it. Do you have any theories, you know, because if you have a haunting and, you know, there's there's some uh, metaphysical presence in a location and you're able to communicate with it and you find out that, you know, they died of tuberculosis and, you know, mm-hmm. they're just they're just there because they're there versus why does somebody attach to. Or why does a spirit attach to an item? What's the what's the what's the play there? Why not just be there? Why attach yourself to a specific item? Do you have any right. any theories on that or any um, insights to it? The thing with objects like most like most spirits might be in a location and attach themselves to obviously like the location because it was their home or they had um, some strong connection to the place whether and they might have even died there and that's why they're they're there but as far as objects um like this was the first time, like I've, I mean, I've gone into antique places before and I felt energy. I've gone to the same ones and sometimes I'll feel energy in a particular area and then other, and then other times they've moved all their stuff around and I don't, but I've never tried to like find the object or, or pinpoint it. Um, this was my first experience with haunted objects. Um, the only other time that I did was during a gallery in a hair salon and a gentleman had come, had come through and I could see him standing and I described um, what he looked like. And none of the, the ladies that were in the group could identify him. None of them, you know, that he wasn't related to anybody and they, none of them could, could figure out who he was. And I, and I remember clearly saying, well, he's, Okay, well, he's definitely here, so I'm going to continue with him because he's with somebody here. And I saw him standing by the um, the owner's desk. And when I said that, she's like, wait a minute. He goes, describe him again. And I'm like, and I, and I went through and described him again. And she's like, that, that is the owner of the desk. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she she told me that when she bought the salon, she went to an estate sale and she furnished a lot of the items in the salon with things from this estate sale. Mm-hmm. And when she started to think about it, because she's thinking, you know, everybody there was thinking, well, this is like a relative. She wasn't thinking, well, my God, it would be the guy that owned the, the desk that passed away, you know, two months ago when I bought his furniture. Um, and then she went on to say, that's exactly what he looks like. 
um, that was the only other time that I've ever had a spirit like attached to an object. And I mean, I don't think I'd say I have a theory, but I feel like potentially the spirits like that were brought to me by Cortland and, and Michael and Danny um, were attached to those items. I feel because of an unfinished reason that they're there with those objects. Then I think that there may be people that might be attached, like part of them is attached to something that they had that was of importance because they want somebody maybe to know about that. You know, if that makes sense. Because it is bizarre like, to like me. That was such like, a significant port, uh, such a significant part of their life or who they were. Right. I mean, like if you, if you had something, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me because, like, like after you pass, like, why would material things even matter to you? Right. Like, why, why would a watch that you had or a desk that you had be? Um, I mean, if anything, you would think that you would attach yourself to your daughter or your son or some, you know what I mean? Like something that was of more value mm -hmm. to you. Um, but, you know, honestly, you're, you're kind of making me think that that's something that I should pursue to ask. Like to physically, if I come across an haunted object, that would be something I would want to ask. Like, why are you with, why are you with this? Yeah. Because I mean, if if they're if they're able to just you know be in existence without being attached to something, right? Then then why the why the need for that? There's got to be some significance to it. There has to be, yeah. And then the only the other thing too, and I'm gonna now I'm gonna throw a whole other thing at you, is, and I've thought of this before too, where, okay, so. Wherever you go, uh, I mean, think of in your daily travel, like today, mm -hmm. all the places that you might have gone, you're you're actually shedding very much physical DNA mm -hmm. of you, as well as your mental DNA. You know, your energy is wherever you're going. So, does some of that linger and stay? So, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily all of you, but a part of you. Because I've thought that too. So like when, when, so like for instance, the, the man that is attached to the desk at that salon, is that just part of him that's attached to that desk? And there's other parts of him that have already, you know, moved on or in other places. Like that's a little piece of him that got left behind. Oh, interesting. You know, like. I know. I, I mean, I think about all these things, and it's like, man, I wish I knew the answers. <laughs> That's interesting. If he spent that much time at that desk, and there were certainly skin cells and hair right. follicles, right? I mean, there could even be sweat. could even be blood. You know, you you cut. Yeah. You're opening up a a letterhead, and you have little bits of in blood last like for you know forensic. They can. 
I don't know how long, but forensically they can really trace back a long time period of, mm-hmm. of blood that's remained. So you, you kind of thought that too of like, well, my gosh, our like, like maybe eventually we become whole when all of our little pieces are brought back together, like a puzzle, like we're, we're all brought back together and that's when we fully ascend and, and, you know, are completely at peace. Um, because that also makes me think of like the, the, um, the spirits and they talk about the residual hauntings yeah. of where they're, they're physically not there because they don't. And I've experienced them before where they're not able to communicate with you. Um, but they're there and it's not, it's like, there's an impression of them and they're, and they might be sitting in that window at three o'clock every day or, or people like the, the ghosts of Gettysburg mm-hmm. where people see them in the fields at a particular time of the day, walking the same, um, route, walking the same route. So they're like, is that the same thing? Like that particular spirit, is that just a little piece of that person that's still there? That's a whole nother topic to try to understand in your, in your abilities and your mediumship. Um, are you, uh, are you also privy to visions of, of these people or is it all, um, auditory, just a sense that, you know, they're there and they are communicating or do you actually see them as well? So, um, that's a good question because it, it kind of opens the door to understanding the different levels of abilities. Um, so I, I do think that everybody is um, born sensitive. I mean, everybody has abilities that they're born with. Um, you know, eventually I think we, I mean, it can be just from in your upbringing and um, conditioning over life that some of those abilities either get enhanced or or squashed, but you have, um, it's like you have your natural ability of, of insight and, and following your instincts and just, you know, your gut feelings. And then you have, um, so like a lot of sensitive people, um, I kind of describe it as like, if, if you're, um, so let's say you have me and I'm standing here and, you know, and here's Karen and I've got all of my thoughts and feelings around me. So imagine I'm like these little bubbles that are all around me. It may be my experiences, my pains, my joys, my thoughts, my feelings, and they're all kind of completely around me, you know, just kind of floating and a sensitive person, um, you know, a non-sensitive person might be standing next to me and have absolutely no clue anything about about me at all. Like mm-hmm. I'm just a person standing there. But someone who is receptive and insensitive, like on the first level, they might feel some of those bubbles. Like they may actually all of a sudden feel um, my energy. Um, they might feel um, like a connection with me, like, they, they feel comfortable or they feel like, Ooh, I don't know about that person. And then you take it a little deeper and you get into people who have like psychic abilities. They have the ability to almost 
grab some of those bubbles. Like they will just immediately get maybe a vision mm-hmm. of um, something that might have occurred in my life. Like they might just know that, oh my gosh, you know, she's lost her mother or she's going through a divorce. And it's it's just this knowing that they will have. Um, psychic ability often is being able to pull those little bubbles in a short time period um, from someone. It's almost like little snapshots of where they might see these bubbles, like they might see a quick glimpse of something about me, or they might get a feeling, or they might just immediately know. So those are like some of your basic um, abilities. And then a medium is someone that doesn't, um, they can read those bubbles, so they can have all of those experiences. They can see things, they can feel things, they can hear things, but the difference with a medium is a medium is getting her information directly from a spirit that is around that person. So they have the ability to communicate um, visually or through hearing with a spirit. Mm-hmm. So they're not really reading the bubbles. They're, they're having like a, like a, that's how I describe it is if there's a spirit around somebody or a spirit that's in a location, I can see them. Usually first I hear them talking to me. Like I'll, I'll hear a male's voice. I'll hear a female's voice or a child's voice. And I will like be having a conversation with them in my head. Like I'm having a conversation with you. Right. But I don't hear all the words. Like I'll hear it's almost like the Charlie Brown commercial, you know, the, the, and then I'll get a, I'll get a few words and then I'll get the rah, rah, rah. It's like having like a game of charades with somebody because mm. it's, um, it's still coming through my human ear, but that's where, um, the difference between a medium and a psychic. Cause like a lot of people think when they go to a psychic that, they're seeing a medium and they're really two different things. Now you can have great readers. You can have a lot of people that are very sensitive and they're just intuitively um, able to read somebody and know something. And you can have great psychics that can kind of predict and, and, you know, maybe see ahead a little bit or see behind, but a psychic can't be a medium um, if they're not a medium. A medium has like all of the abilities. So I hope if that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. It is because there's, and I do feel bad because there are a lot of people like when I hold my psychic fairs and I have a lot of different readers that come and there are many people that don't know the differences. So they, they go to sit down with a reader and they're, they're thinking that they want to have a message from their past loved one. They want to talk to somebody or they want to know who their spirit guides are. And, and they're disappointed because the person is doing cards or is, you know, talking more in a psychic fashion. Um, and it doesn't make them, I mean, they're all very good, but it's like there is a difference in people's um, abilities. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Well, that's that. That's very interesting because I think, um, I think up until a couple of years ago, 
I was making that mistake, making the assumption that it was it was two of the same thing. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's good that you clarified that. Hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't like I personally, to be honest with you, I didn't know that I was a medium. Um, I mean, as a kid, I could. You know, I, I mean, I had imaginary friends. I I heard people talking to me all the time as a kid, and then when I started to really embrace this, um, I had like no idea. I'm like, like literally in my book, my experience at the Shanley Hotel. I thought I was going crazy. I thought, okay, I've got a woman here. I can see this woman. I can hear her talking to me. What the hell? <laughs> All I could think of is growing up watching The Exorcist when I was like 10 years old. Like, holy shit, I can hear this person talking to me. Um, I didn't didn't really understand what a medium was myself. You know, I, I kind of, I wasn't, I always kind of call myself like the uneducated medium because I didn't learn how to be that way. I didn't read about what it was like to be a medium or how to be a medium or how to strengthen my abilities. So for me, it was really everything that I know is from just saying, okay, what the hell? You know, I'm not going to be able to escape this. So I might as well learn to, you know, work with it and accept it. All right, my friends. We're going to take a break here. I have another 90 minutes worth of conversation with Karen coming up next Tuesday. In that, we'll continue our conversation. And I've also asked her to bring to the table some experiences from both the lighter side of what she does to the more sinister side of what she's experienced. So look for that next Tuesday, 10 a.m. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.